You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Happy Friday, everybody, or happy weekend. Today, a couple of quick, really quick notes to hit here off the top related to the draft and players the Wolves are meeting with, the perception of some of these players, actually one in particular by the name of LaMelo Ball. So a little bit of that here off the top. And then I want to get into a little bit more blockbuster trade speculation. Um, Today, I'm going to use another Bleacher Report article as uh, really kind of a jumping off point. Five suggested blockbuster trades involving the number one pick, some more realistic than than others, some kind of new ideas that we haven't discussed here on the show previously. And then what I'd like to do, um, a reminder, we're having a weekend show this week. We missed Monday and Tuesday due to um, this crazy ice storm in OKC where I live. And so I'm going to have a Saturday show to get you through the weekend. And what I'd like to do is start the blockbuster discussion today, finish it over the weekend, and then also talk about number six on the big board for the weekend show. Um, We are through the first five players in big board 3.0. And then next week, we're going to jump back into the big board. And um, I kind of tease this conversation surrounding a, a not discussed previously on this show, at least, uh, possibility for a blockbuster trade target. Um, that's kind of an idea that that somebody over at Dunkin' with Wolves, the site that I'm the co-editor of, came up with. And I actually think it's it's a little bit intriguing, um, a, an existing superstar in the league the Wolves could target. So that'll be Monday's show, actually. So um, so without further, to, f- further ado, let's jump into today's. Actually, I'm just kidding. I do want to remind everybody to please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. Okay, now, without further ado, let's get into today's show. The draft meeting that Timberwolves apparently held in person this week in California was none other than LaMelo Ball, the often rumored, uh, perhaps favorite target of the Timberwolves front office at number one if they stand pat. Of course, Anthony Edwards is the one is the player most often mocked to the Timberwolves at number one. Ball was number one on all three, excuse me, the, the latter two versions of of, of my big board here at Lockdown Wolves. He was not number one in the first one, but he was in 2.0 and then 3.0 is probably about two weeks ago. I discussed him as, as, as the number one player on big board 3.0. The uh, Wolves met in person with him in California. He'd already met, Ball had already met virtually with the Knicks and the Warriors um, several weeks ago, it sounds like. And he's going to meet I think in person now with the Warriors, but also with the Hornets and the Bulls. Um, and, and there's a number of of uh, notes out there related to this uh, this draft interview. The write-up for me has been from Jonathan Giovanni, of course, who used to be of Draft Express, the fantastic site that now is part of ESPN um, that is uh, all about draft prospects and mock drafts, et cetera. And uh, talks about how this was the first in-person meeting ball is conducted. It's not unusual for players projected at the top of the draft to decline to conduct workouts. This was only an interview and not a workout. And uh, there really isn't much else to say other than the fact that he did meet with the Wolves. The other thing um, that's been out regarding ball and the pre-draft process that I, I think is important to mention, but I'm kind of iffy on how much stock to put into this. But uh, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer um, said... This is a direct quote about 
Ball during the interview process. He says, quote, he, meaning Ball, is not improving his perception via job interview. There are people drafting later in the top 10 who were not preparing for the possibility of Ball still being around. And I'm not saying that he will not be a top three pick. I am saying that I know for a fact that there are teams later in the top 10 who are doing more research on him because they no longer think it's a given he will, end quote. Interesting. Um, I, I think, uh, I think certainly it, it matters if Ball does an interview well. We, we know that draft interviews are a key part of the process. How much weight depends on the franchise? The way I've always described this is you take the overall body of work, and this isn't just the NBA. This is almost any sport, certainly the NBA and the NFL, in terms of uh, draft evaluation, right? So you have whatever you have on tape of them is number one. The first thing you're going to look at, the first thing that matters, you're going to do background information. You're going to interview coaches, ex-teammates, ex-coaches, high school coaches, associates, friends, whoever from high school, from college, if they're playing overseas, all that stuff matters. You're going to look at the combine this year. That didn't exist in its normal form. Um, usually the NBA combine, I would assume is a much smaller part of the process than even maybe the NFL combine. And maybe it's 10%, 15%. And that includes, that kind of encompasses measurements. It encompasses drills. It might encompass scrimmages in the case of the NBA scouting combine. But remember, the best players usually don't scrimmage. They don't do drills. They just do measurements, if that, in the NBA combine. So that's a little bit different this year. And then there's the actual interview. Um, so the, the not the not on court, the non on court portion of the combine, the actual in-person interviews, which this year is limited to 10, although teams can do virtual interviews. And, you know, famously in Tim Rule's lore, there is the David Kahn being swayed by Johnny Flynn's handshake and smile, which by all accounts, Johnny Flynn's a great guy, was a great teammate and actually played pretty well before he, he had plenty of injuries. It's not his fault that Tim Rule's picked him over Steph Curry, but there was David Kahn trying to explain away the selection of both Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn by talking about Flynn's handshake and his smile. And, uh, you know, Flip Saunders talked glowingly about his draft interview with Zach Levine. And there was the, the nugget about writing Levine's name on a piece of paper, which is literally out of the movie draft day, um, about the Cleveland Browns. Um, there, all of these things play into it they, to, to some extent. So how much does the draft interview, supposed poor interviews of Ball, and it, this isn't specific to the Wolves. Remember, he's interviewed virtually with the Hornets, or excuse me, with the Warriors and Knicks, and he will interview with the Hornets and Bulls. So I guess this could only be talking about the Warriors, Knicks, and Timberwolves. How much of this is true? How much of it matters if it is true? There's also um, uh, quite a bit of smoke screening going on. And uh, Golden State, of course, has been rumored to be interested in probably like seven of the top 10 prospects, everybody from the obvious ones like Ball to James Wiseman down to Tyrese Halliburton to some of these names, Denny Avija, who likely aren't going to go until a little bit later in the top 10. And nobody has any idea who the Wolves want to take. I mean, there's some chatter that maybe they like Ball more than Edwards. Uh, the consensus is Edwards fits the roster better. Everybody knows they'd rather trade it, but nobody really knows where they're leaning with the first pick. So how much of this is maybe Timber, or I guess there's really no reason for the Timberwolves to smoke screen unless they're putting out misinformation about other teams to try and gin up interest in trading the number one pick, which would be not, not unprecedented, certainly makes more sense for the Warriors to try and float things out there um, to try and, and uh, because nobody knows what the Wolves are going to do. And so the Warriors benefit from there being some additional smoke. Um, and certainly they're, uh, they're hard at work creating said smoke surrounding uh, the, the top part of this draft. So all that to say, you know, take, certainly take that with a grain of salt. Um, the, the ball report about the interviews. We don't know that it was the Wolves interview. He didn't do well. And we don't know that it's true. We don't know that it matters that much, um, but all, all something to, uh, to keep in mind. 
All right. Next up, what I want to do is jump into these blockbuster trades for existing stars and, and uh, you know, a couple of them actually for other draft picks and tradebacks, picking up assets along the way. Pretty interesting ideas from Dan Favalli over at Bleacher Report. So we're going to talk about that next. Before we do that, let's talk about Built Go. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. Here's the thing. It's not just a workout gel either. If you're busy, I mean, we're all busy from work to school to to hobbies, to blogging, podcasting, whatever it is that you have on your plate, picking up the kids, um, getting to the gym, all that stuff. Built Go can help you get through that wall. It's a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and it's natural. If it's a mental wall, a physical wall, it doesn't matter. Put it in your briefcase, your backpack, your golf bag, your pocket, whatever you got to do to get through the day or whatever the next thing on your schedule is. It's just like five-hour energy, but without the same crash. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster with about a third of the caffeine and better results. There's three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. It combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast and it's easy on the stomach. If you're not familiar, collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. It literally makes you look better. Also, Bilko's loaded with things like beta alanine, vitamin B6, vitamin B12, vitamin B3, and a kick of caffeine. Visit BiltGo.com, use promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, let's talk blockbuster trades. This is always fun. Admittedly, these are completely made up. There's no truth or or real um, you know, rumors behind this. And again, this is I'm taking this straight from Dan Favalli at Bleacher Report. Article is called Five Blockbuster Trade Ideas for Minnesota for the Minnesota Timberwolves number one pick. Um, I'm not necessarily going to go in order of how he wrote them. I think I'm going to start with a couple that we've already kind of discussed here on the show and then spend more time on the newer ideas. Um, and, and this will go into the weekend show that we'll post here uh, probably midday Saturday. So um, stay tuned for that one. Go ahead and, and check that one out so you can get the full scope of these ideas that Dan Favalli is putting out there. So let's start with the second one that he lists. And this is a, a player that often is talked about as a trade target for the Wolves. And there was some legit steam around him as a potential Timberwolf right around the trade deadline, I think right kind of like the week before. And at the time, I, I really kind of panned this idea here on Locked on Wolves. And, and I've come around to it a little bit more. I still don't love it. And it's not my first choice. But all that to say, this trade would bring from the Orlando Magic Aaron Gordon to the Timberwolves, along with Chumo Kiki and the number 15 pick. Now, the idea of this, oh, and I should say the Timberwolves would obviously be sending the number one pick in the draft, as well as James Johnson to make the salaries work once Johnson picks up his player option of uh, a little over 16 million for next year. So um, interestingly, and I'll, and I'll note this, uh, Dan Favalli says, he says, I polled a bunch of people about offering Gordon in the 15 for the first pick and salary filler. The overwhelming majority insisted that wasn't enough, meaning enough for the number one pick, even when comparing this year's number one to more like a top five or top seven choice in other years. And, uh, so he says, that's why he included Chumo Kiki, who, is has yet to play an NBA game. He was actually the Magic first round pick last year. Remember, he tore his ACL for Auburn in the NCAA tournament in 2018, I believe. No, 2019. Losing track of my years with how weird this. I'm sure I'm not the only one with with how weird 2020's been. Um, 
but he missed all of last season. He, he tore his ACL in the tournament and, and is supposed to be a three and D guy who likely would have been a, certainly would have been a lottery pick. He was, I think 16th or something like that with the magic. Um, yeah, 16th for the magic in 2019 with the torn ACL. So there's some value in getting Okiki along with Gordon and still getting back the 15 pick while shipping out the one. Now the question is, the thing about Aaron Gordon is he's still got two years left. His salary declines. He's expensive. Um, so you're you're banking on him being good enough to elevate the team, but then you have to make the decision on whether or not to extend him, which I know that's the next problem on the list, and it's not the problem. You're also banking on Gordon and Towns fitting together offensively. Gordon sub- becomes really your secondary playmaker besides D'Angelo Russell, and then you, you fill in with a couple of lower usage wings. Maybe Beasley is not back, and you're talking – a shooter, maybe it's Okiki, maybe it's somebody that's acquired or drafted this year at 15, um, you know, like a, an Aaron Nesmith or somebody that could plug in and just be a, a really good three-point shooter. And you've got a, a couple of wings, uh, you know, guys who can defend and shoot threes. You've got Aaron Gordon as your secondary playmaker and kind of, uh, you know, he's your primary cutter slasher, can do a little bit of everything offensively and be solid defensively next to Towns. Would that work? Would there be enough ball to go around for Russell, Gordon, and Towns I don't love the fit. I still don't. I haven't. I think Gordon's too expensive for what he provides on the floor. However, there is still some upside and there's a lot to be said for having three dynamic players like Towns, Gordon, and Russell, as long as you fill out the rest of the roster smartly. And it's not my first choice for what to do with the Johnson contract or the number one pick, but clearly I've already talked myself into, you know, being a hard no on this possibility to, to a, a, I guess I'd be okay with it with a shrug. Um, You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty okay with this if this is what ends up happening, especially if a guy like Okiki's involved, because I think he's actually, assuming he's, you know, 90% of what he was or 80% of what he was before the ACL tear, he's a legitimate three and D plus type prospect. And, you know, pairing him with uh, Aaron Gordon and getting back the 15 is, is interesting. Um, I don't think this is the best the Wolves can do. And I don't think this is where they'll land. But again, as, as I've talked about before with some of these, there has to be a floor on what could these moves be? What could these possible moves be? And where would you, what is your floor with making a move like this? Um, if you're the Timberwolves and, and this is, this is interesting. So it's certainly something that I would keep an eye on. I do not think it's likely. I do not think it's going to happen. Um, But the idea of including Okiki and the 15 along with Aaron Gordon is far more attractive than basically, um, you know, James Johnson and, um, you know, a couple, I think previously we talked about it being Johnson plus maybe Culver and the Wolves pick before we knew it was number one. I don't think anybody seriously thinks getting Aaron Gordon for the number one makes a ton of sense. Um, and so something like this, I could see as a possibility if the wolves, you know, this might be one of those, ah, this is the worst they can do, or, or this is the, this is the worst, you know, most palatable move where they still feel like they're getting some value in return. And it's better than, than putting a round peg into a square hole, whether that be, um, you know, ball or, or Edwards, if they stand pat at number one. So interesting. Uh, the second one I want to talk about is, is another player who we've talked about, uh, as a possible target for the Timberwolves. And that's Drew Holiday from the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, this trade would just have Holiday coming to the Wolves. The Wolves would send out James Johnson, Jake Lehman, Josh Akogi, and the number one. Um, this is a little bit more than what the Wolves had been sending out the last time we talked about this. Victor Oladipo is not mentioned in this article, but he's another one of those 
stars who would be a rental. Now, Oladipo's star is a little bit brighter than Holiday's um, in terms of the last couple of years, although Holiday's a much better fit for the Wolves roster than Victor Oladipo. Um, Holiday's a good defender. He's a good shooter. He can be the second playmaker next to D'Angelo Russell. Good enough shooter, I should say. Um, He's kind of average from deep. Um, And it's worth the conversation. Now, Holiday's almost surely going to opt out after next year. So this would be a rental. And it's really hard to give up the number one pick, your best defender, and a and really, frankly, a, you know, at best a bargain, at worst a, a reasonable contract in Jake Lehman, plus your expiring deal in James Johnson. So for me, if I'm the Wolves, this is way too much. You can't give up your best trade asset in terms of expiring contract in Johnson, your best defender in Josh Akogi, the number one pick, and one of the few rotation guys on on what basically could be a bargain deal, assuming he bounces back from injury and Jake Lehman, all for a one-year rental of a guy who's not even really an all-star. He's he's certainly underrated, I think, league-wide, and, and I think the fit's very nice. But it's not like the Wolves went to the conference finals last year and they're, they're a piece away. They're on the doorstep. I mean, this was one of the three worst teams in the league, and, and I understand that Russell and Towns played one game together. But still, there's nothing about this team that screams one piece away. There's still a couple years of development that needs to happen here. And of course, with Towns and, and Russell both under contract for the next few years, that's feasible. And Holiday certainly would make this team into a playoff team next year. But but then what? Then he leaves and 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 you've given up those assets in a trade. So I don't think this makes a ton of sense. If you can get Holiday for less than this, then you have that conversation. But I do not think that it makes sense to trade Johnson, Lehman, Okogie, and the number one for one year of Drew Holiday. All right. Lastly today, there's one more trade I want to discuss from this five blockbuster trade uh, article over at Bleach Report. And then uh, we will talk about the last two on Friday's show. Okay. There are three trades left to discuss from this article. I'm actually going to pick one of the other bigger names. Um, I'm saving my favorite one for last. And so we'll talk about that one on Friday. Um, my favorite in terms of not the biggest name, but the one that I think is the most realistic. This is the biggest name on the list, but I want to talk about it now because I want to make sure I dedicate this whole segment to it. We have talked about this name before, and, and I don't think, frankly, this is going to happen. So I guess I, I don't want to bury the lead, I guess. But here's what the trade would be. This is titled by Dan Favalia, three-team brain bender with Philly and Washington. We've talked about both Ben Simmons and Bradley Beal's potential trade targets for the Wolves, but also players that would need to be pried away from their organizations that don't, you know, Philly doesn't want to trade Simmons and uh, the Wizards don't want to trade Beal. And so it's going to be tough to, to swing those trades. However, this three-team trade would send Simmons to the Wolves, Bradley Beal in the number 17 pick to the Sixers. So the Wolves would send 17 out to the Sixers and the Beal would send, or excuse me, the Wizards would send Beal to the Sixers. The Wizards would, would get Jarrett Culver, Josh Akogi, Jared Vanderbilt, James Johnson and his expiring contract, plus the Timberwolves' number one pick and the Wolves' 2023 first-round pick, conditional upon the 2021 obligation to Golden State. If that pick conveys, then this one could be unprotected, et cetera. Um, now, the winners in this trade are are very clearly the Sixers, who are trading Simmons to get Beal in the 17. Simmons is a better player than Beal, but Beal fits their roster better, and they get a pick out of the deal. They're not sending anything to the Wizards. The Wolves would be sending out the 17 and the one this year, their 2023 first round pick, Culver, Johnson, Akogi, and Vanderbilt all to get Simmons. All of that to say, I actually don't hate this for the Timberwolves. Now they would have a lot of pieces to fill in on this roster, but you've got a starting lineup with Simmons, Russell, and Towns. And you still have the 33 pick in this year's draft. You are 
sending out Culver and Akogi, so you're you're um I mean you're relying then on Jake Lehman on some of these other if you bring, you know, Jalen Noel is likely back in this scenario. Jordan McLaughlin's your backup point guard. Um, so there's a lot of things they'd have to fill in, but that's a, a legitimate big three. And Simmons, Towns, and Russell fit together extremely well um, to allow Russell to play off the ball more and catch and shoot where he's really dangerous from really anywhere on the floor. And Simmons, who can get into the paint and score in the paint, which is something Russell doesn't do, they actually complement each other quite well. Simmons would raise this team from awful defensively basically to mediocre all by himself. And I mean, yeah, it hurts to give up the one, the 17, uh, you're picking 23 plus Culver, Akogi, And then, um, you know, your uh, Johnson's your salary filler and Vanderbilt helps, helps, uh, you know, with the salary as well. But, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't hate this for the, from the Timberwolves side of things. I just don't think that this happens, um, mostly because I don't know that the Wizards are motivated to move Beal, and I don't think that this basically getting the Wolves' current roster plus the number one pick and a pick in two years for a team that, by the way, in in 2023, that Wolves draft pick is not going to be a great pick. I mean, at worst, the Wolves are going to be a, a playoff team, right? I mean, they're going to be a, it'd be a disaster if they were an eight seed, I think, if you have Simmons, Towns, and Russell on the same roster. But if they're a playoff team, that's a, a middling pick at best. So I don't know that the Wizards would be motivated to do this. This isn't a real, unless they think that one of the players they'd get at number one, whether it's Ball, Edwards, Wiseman, or someone else, if they think that player is a franchise player, then maybe you make the deal. So maybe you do this and you take Wiseman or Edwards, and then you're like, okay, well, I've got, um, or I guess you could take Ball as John Wall's replacement, and then you have some guys on the wing and Culver Nakogi, Vanderbilt's got some upside, and you still have uh, the 2023 pick coming as well. I just don't think this is the true reset move that makes sense for the Wizards. If I'm the Sixers, I do this because I think Beal fits the roster better. If I'm the Wolves, I do this because if you can get a top, let's call him, let's call Simmons a top 16 player, top 18 player in the league. And then now you've got two top 24 players in Simmons and Towns and another guy who's a fringe all-star in Russell. Then you do that. You give up your, for lack of a better term, poo-poo platter and the number one pick to get Simmons. I mean, you do. Uh, I, I just don't think it happens because I don't think the Wizards are motivated enough to do it. And it's going to take a lot to get them to actually choose to trade Bradley Beal, who for years now, they've said that they simply will not move. Um, but I do I do think that that's a deal that the Wolves should look at or at least have the discussion. I'm sure that they have, and I'm sure that they've been rebuffed already by Washington. But maybe with the changing uh, of the guard in Philadelphia, now with uh, Daryl Morey in the front office. Oh, by the way, though, I think the one thing that does stand in the way of this for Philadelphia, as much as as much as much I think this makes sense, Ben Simmons feels to me like more of a Daryl Morey player than Bradley Beal. Now, obviously, Beal's a a far better outside shooter. I mean, it's not even, I mean, Simmons isn't an outside shooter at all. Um, but I just don't think this is a deal that Maury makes now that he's in Philly. I think maybe the previous regime would have looked at this. And I think I personally think it makes sense for the Sixers. I just don't know that Maury makes this move. Um, he was just hired, I guess a day or two ago. Um, now, and, and I realized didn't talk about it on the show, but I don't know that this is a, this is a trade that Maury makes for Philadelphia. All right. What I want to do is there's two other trades in this article. If you can't wait, go ahead and, and uh, read up on them. And I'm going to talk about them this weekend on the show and what I 
what my verdict is, what I would do personally, what I think will actually happen if I think it's a feasible scenario. I, I'm shocked that there's still trade scenarios out there that we haven't discussed that haven't really been widely considered. But there's these last two we haven't really talked about as as legitimate possibilities. Two teams that we haven't talked about much at all and kind of centerpieces coming back from those teams that we haven't discussed much at Lockdown Wolves. So that'll be on Saturday's show as well as number six on the Big Board 3.0. So be sure to tune in for that. That's all we have for you today here at Locked on Wolves. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked on Wolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. A reminder, we are daily Monday through Friday and a special weekend show this week, and then we'll be back again on Monday morning. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.